Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode two of the Possibly Haunted podcast. And today we will be talking about cryptids. And I'm back here again with Carson, Heather, Cat, and uh, today we're gonna do another icebreaker for you because apparently people like it. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> today we're gonna be picking our favorite mythological creature or character, whatever somebody wanted to just to do. So I'll go ahead and start because mine is just cross the bar dragon. <laughs> I'm a dragon. I love dragons. Dragon. So why do you, do, do you, you like shiny things? You know what I do? Do you have a thing against dwarves? Shiny things. Um, I'm okay with dwarves because I'm I'm short, but like I'm thinking like Dragonheart era dragon, nice. where like I definitely talk and I grant people power. Okay. Also, you don't like to be cold. True. And my heart is full of. You valor. also don't like people touching your things. I don't. <laughs> We're just helping out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who wants to go next? You. Me. Okay, so. Um, mine has been pretty much decided for me throughout my entire <laughs> life is that I'm some kind of undine-like creature, which is either a mermaid or a sea witch, which <laughs> interchangeable. So am I like an Ariel or an Ursula? Depends okay, on the day. Okay, you're not the evil like <laughs> Ursula, but you're kind of Ursula. Not the evil part, though. Just everything mm-hmm. else. So I was definitely thinking one of the uh, mermaids from On Stranger Tides. Yeah, or the lure. Or the lure. I think the, one of the first, like, big trips that I took with Morgan, she went, uh, we went to some type of swimming hole. And <laughs> because oh, we went to the, country one. the devil's watering hole. Yeah, we went to the devil's watering hole. And one of my first memories of being there with her was that we got up to the edge of the water. I was like, okay. And I did, like, a shallow dive. Horrible idea, but I'm really good at it. I did the shallow dive into the water and was like, yay! And then, and then Morgan with her... And then I did, like, a boogie board dive and immediately hit my knee on an underwater rock. And that was the time that Morgan decided I was a mermaid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I swear to God, I went into, like, the exact same place she did, and I need a rock. My ocean friends, help me. Okay, next. (sighs) Um, I'll go next. So this was uh, really hard for me. I don't like being defined uh, by one thing. And actually, most people have associated with me, uh, like, as a fairy, and I think they mean cute, sparkly pixie, and I don't really get it unless they're talking about the rare occasions that I have high energy and I'm annoyingly positive. <laughs> that I can maybe see pixie. I've also been uh, called a vampire multiple times, even by my own mom, because, well, I am pale, as we established in the first episode, um, and I, I can't tan. Like, it's not even, like, about not being in the sun. I just can't straight up tan. And I do like the taste of blood. Does that mean me a dragon vampire? Yes. Well, no. <laughs> I used to make cocktails that had um, iron in, like, red gelatin kind of things. Yes, and so, like, it if tasted you bite your bit. lip and you get a little bit of iron, that's one thing. Yeah. But, like, how much blood are we talking that you I mean, okay, I, haven't, I haven't drained anybody. Scaling a level. Like, I haven't actually drained anybody, but it does, like, it tastes metallic, and I, I don't know, I just dig it. Like, whatever. Anyway, so there's the vampire thing, but I, after, like, I had to really think about this, <laughs> um... 
I've taken those silly quizzes, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, on Facebook, whatever. And I either get the mother figure, like Demeter or Brigid, um, Irish folklore. Um, or I get Queen of Hell. Nice. Straight nice. up death. And so I'm like, you know, actually, if I really think about it, I pretty much am the mother and I'm also death, which is not a bad thing. It's just a fact. And I just, I don't know, I don't, what do y'all think? It's the circle So, obviously, like, vampire, but, like, I, I have two <laughs> things. And one, if you were going to be a fairy, you'd be the fairy from uh, the labyrinth. And where she's like, oh, how pretty, how sweet. And the fairy's like, ah. And then she holds one and it bites her. It's like, ah, 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 you. Okay. Um, yeah, don't touch me. But what I'm also hearing is that you just want to be Hela from Thor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, I've like, come, I've come to be your new queen, Asgardians. Oh, you don't want to listen to me? Well, guess what? I'm a goddess of death. Death. So yeah, and I haven't seen the movie, and I, I, I've heard that you know, like her reputation or whatever, like evil. But like to me, like death isn't evil. And the like, queen of hell, they always get a bad rap, or they're written that way because no one wants to die. So no one wants to like accept that maybe like it's hard to be death. Because you actually have, like, you don't want to kill things. You've seen those sad things. But you gotta. But you have to. Like, she does the job that no one else wants to, and she gets no appreciation for it. And I also maybe, like, feel occasionally like that. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, mother figure in death. There we go. (laughs) So, um, I think I chose a nymph this week. There's a lot of different things that can be associated with that, aside from their... Beautiful young maidens. Just kidding. Um, but no, but she know, is actually so a beautiful whatever. young maiden. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the youngest maiden in the room. I, true. Yes, this is true. But I like them because they love to sing and they love to dance. But they can also be like mischievous and a little shitty. And yeah. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I like that. Um, and and it, it does say, like, one thing that's not true about me, that they, like, would never die of old age or illness. And that's... <laughs> Basically opposite of me, but aside from that, I'm kind of digging them. I like it. Did you pick like a subcategory, like wood or water? Water, water, yeah, water. water. Yeah. Now be aware you can hang out that, with me. Yeah, you can hang out. But um, <laughs> them Greek gods and like Pan and all them always chasing after you. So yeah, they get really good at like. But see, and so you're why, like tree. That's why we <laughs> sit at the river and we lure people like young boys down, and then we are awful to them once they get there. High so, five! Yeah. High five! <laughs> Okay, so I think next we're going to do a short little uh, thank you list yes. for some of the people who have helped us get this thing started. Which is really appreciated, and I've written them down. Um, some of them had requests for how they were named, um, <laughs> so here we go. So first off, I would like to thank Chad Stevens Stallings, who wrote our uh, lovely little intro tune. He would like to also be known as Bobo McCready, Stevius First of Men, Chadley, and Chadley. whatever else we can come up with. <laughs> the Chad. Oh, he's, he's Steve. He's Steve. The world's okayest guitar player. <laughs> um, yeah, we absolutely love him. Second is Beatrice from Woo! She Who Persisted, the Nasty Podcast. Um, I'm quoting, so mom, don't get mad at me, but she said I scared her shitless with my story, which is, like, great. It was my goal. Just a reminder, uh, that was the knock three times story. That was Anybody? the knock, yeah. Oof. <laughs> my childhood ghost story. Um, those who reviewed us, including Morgan's dad, who said we were hot. Thank you, Mr. White. <laughs> so, addendum to that, he's not creepy. He's trying to generate views. Okay. <laughs> Adolfo, who had a really cool microphone he let us use for the first podcast. Um, if you notice an audio change, we're kind of in between microphones, but we will be getting a professional one, which we will continue to use forever, very, very soon. 
And also, finally, thank you to my mom, who listened and then proceeded to ask if I cussed on the podcast. Be sure that I cussed on the podcast. Get a little bit mad at me, and then tell me that we cussed too much. So uh, thank you, Mom. I love you. M- Mrs. Man, I, I can <laughs> guarantee you it is mostly Morgan and I. She no, did not cuss. I'm sorry, Mrs. Man. I'm not going to cuss anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mrs. Man. I've already cussed twice in this episode. Sorry. <laughs> I am. I'm going to be truthful. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I just, I'm going to, but I don't mean it in any offense. It's just part of my language. I need your mom to like me. I love you. <laughs> uh, she loves all of us. She's just like, Catherine, did you cuss? <laughs> Which is horrible. I never, oh no, Mom can't hear me cuss except for in quotes. <laughs> so if it's all right with everybody, um, I'd like to get us rolling on our cryptid topic because I also did like a little bit of, okay, I did like a lot of what a cryptid is and the study of them. So excuse me, it is going to sound like I'm reading because I totally am. <laughs> so we all tried to pick just one. I'm sure we all wanted to do more. So uh, and a lot of the information I got was from a book I bought called Cryptozoology A to Z. The Encyclopedia of Lock Monsters, Sasquatch, Chupacabras, and Other Authentic Mysteries of Nature by Lauren Coleman and Jerome Clark. Now, cryptids are with the um, unknown species of animals, or animals which, though thought to be extinct, may have survived into modern times and await rediscovery by scientists. The word is derived from the uh, Greek cryptos, meaning hidden. I'm not going to go into what id means, because... No. (laughs) The study of these animals is known as cryptozoology, which the father of cryptozoology, quote, unquote, Bernard Huvelmans defines as the scientific study of hidden animals of still unknown animal forms about which only testimonial and circumstantial evidence is available or material evidence considered insufficient by some. Which, by the way, he ended that quote with the, by some, exclamation points. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, and I, was, I wanted to add uh, an important subcategory to it because I know that Heather's creature can sometimes look like a person, and I think yours looks yes. like a person. Mm-hmm. And so an important subcategory to this is uh, hominology, which Russian researcher Dmitry Bayanov coined around 1973. And it denotes the study of humanity's as yet undiscovered near relatives like the Yeti or the Bigfoot and Sasquatch, which are some of the more famous of the cryptids. So not exactly like yours, mm-hmm. but like these have human characteristics. They mm-hmm. look like what is the scientific name for a, no, a person? A I know. I'm like, sapien. Thank you. My brain. I, all I can think of was Australopithecus, and I'm like, that's way older than us. So just. <laughs> Just so you know, she keeps looking at me pointedly, like, yours! Yours! <laughs> you, what are you, cat? Hominid. Homina, homina, homina. Okay, so I had... <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> so I had a really hard time picking my cryptid, because I, like, man, I dove into this hard. But, with that little bit of background on the cryptids, we're gonna go on to Miss Carson. Who has to leave a little bit early because it's very nearly finals time and everyone's losing their mind. I'm yes. sorry, guys. I have a 25-page paper due tomorrow morning. No, no, no. And I'm glad you reminded me because, yes. And I started also, it's very important. It's a philosophy paper, so, like, she, she's... She's got to think about it. And I definitely started writing it today. So... <laughs> Procrastination. Um, right? So, the cryptid that I chose... I'm gonna start with a quote. 
um, that says, Humpback Island smells <laughs> lovely. Um, I don't know the quote, but it just popped up when what? I was like... Hump Island? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Morgan, <laughs> my mom's listening. <laughs> like was, a camel hump. That was Morgan, not me. Um, it was definitely just like a random quote that showed up when I was researching mine. And uh, disclaimer, I will mess up every name as I'm trying to pronounce them with this. But it's called, what did we decide on, Morgan? Aspidocilin. Aspidocilin. <laughs> or um, another name was Zaratan. Um, so not only is it a cryptid, but it's also found in like literature and folklore. Um, it's a Greek name, and the first part's Aspi, which is a shield, and the second part of the word means turtle. So basically, yeah. Basically, it's this giant, impossible-sized turtle or whale depending on what you're researching, that has a like has been mistaken for small islands, and that's like, so that gives the idea of how big it is. Um, like one thing I found was like comparing it to the size of Hawaii, and I'm like, so it's it's pretty that's great. A big turtle. <laughs> it's pretty pretty impossible for an size. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, just think about my dog, and then Hawaii <laughs> size scout. Yes. Um, they're also really known for their large, life, long lifespans. Um, <clears throat> they have elements of air, earth, and water because they're islands and water. Um, <laughs> one super cool thing about these, the Zaratan. Um, so depending on what you read about it, some things say they're like a chaotic evil versus chaotic good. So they're like neutral good and evil. Um, but then I did some more research on it, and it was actually saying that there's... Um, it kills sailors and ships. Like mm-hmm. this, it emits this really sweet smell from its mouth while it's in the ocean, and a bunch of fish, a little truck fish, and then it just devours them. Um, and if there's a ship ship passing them, um, it'll just drag it underwater and drown everybody, and the ship disappears. Just another th- reason for Morgan never to go into the ocean. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty great. Like. Um, there's this another moral allegory that says that the Zaratan also means Satan, and that um, all it wants to do is devour things. So okay, if it is as big as you're saying, though, it needs a lot of food. It needs calories. It's a big boy. So a little hungry. This is really cool because when you first uh, told us about this, I didn't realize that it could also be like a whale mm-hmm. with like stuff on its back. I don't know if you have, but it's it's from Russia and they made an American version of it. But it's called um, the the little humpbacked horse. And in the American version, there's this whale who's been cursed to stay above the water, and these people have made, like, a village on its back because it swallowed, like, a whole fleet of ships. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my God, the connections. Yes. <laughs> that sounds pretty much like what my creature is. And actually, it reminds me, I'm going to have to get real nerdy here, of a Doctor Who episode with Amy Pond and... Oh! Oh, I know, oh. Number, hold on, hold on, with number, and number 11, and they actually have a... It's a space whale. Space whale. <laughs> um, and they actually have a civilization on it. Because um, he... he I, I know, it's a really sad episode, and the right thing is done in the end, but that's what it reminds me of. Like, that, there's actually a civilization on top of this huge uh, space, space whale. whale. <laughs> there's also a space whale in Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, hey! <laughs> Another reference that actually Morgan helped me find is in Indiana at a place called Falk Lake. Sorry if I also am Can you spell it? F-A-L-K? Yes. Falk, Falk Lake. Lake. Sure. Um, it's called the Beast of Busco. 
It's like a 60-year-old uh, legend they have there of a giant turtle, which, granted, I don't think a Hawaii-sized turtle is in Indiana, but it was still, no. like... Still very large. It's still very large, and um, it just goes to show, like, all the branches that the Zartan could branch off into. And I also picked this creature fun fact because... Um, Turtles are my absolute favorite animal. And then second fun fact, my second favorite animal happens to be a whale. <laughs> so that just worked out. Yeah, I know. And it was complete coincidence when I found out that they were both considered this animal. And my heart grew three sizes. Oh, no longer the Grinch. Yay. So if you wanted more info, the Busco is said to have measured about four feet across the shell and to weigh between 100 and 500 pounds. And so this is where it ties into, like, it could be a real thing, just, like, a really outstanding size for its species, yeah. which makes it a cryptid. Mm-hmm. Also, um, another, it's another cryptid, but it could relate to the whale aspect. It's called the bloop. Um, oh, the bloop! Yeah, and, like, um, I can't remember the year off the top of my head because I didn't write it down. Was it 1973? Something like that. It's 73, 76? It's the 70s. Around. The 70s. <laughs> Um, they heard this giant, low sounds, like, emitted at the bottom of the mm-hmm. ocean, um, and they said for an animal to emit that sound, uh, proportionally, it would be four times the size of a regular whale. Or, like, a blue whale, right? Yeah. that's the yeah. biggest. That's the yeah. largest animal, so it'd be, like, four of those, which would possibly arrange the side of my did. And so yes. that has actually been researched, and so that was, like, another, like, Weird connection. Which is really just over. I'm watching Morgan make her plans to stay in the center of the United no, States for the rest of her I'm, life. <laughs> I'm also thinking now I need like a pilot license and we need to go like explore the top of the ocean to see if there's any like vanishing and reappearing dark. islands. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. I'm going to guess somewhere in the Bermuda Triangle. I was say, oh, Bermuda Triangle. Like, here that's we where come. my cryptid probably lives. That's probably. I, that's I, I, why I, everything stinks. Also, oh my gosh. <laughs> we just discovered. We just figured out the Bermuda Triangle. We just cracked people. the code. Stop. This is why podcasts have to happen, people. We need multiple brainstorming sessions. Wow. That, I'm a little excited about that. I know, <laughs> me too. Okay, so if anyone wants to fund our excursion, <laughs> please let us know. We'll say our email at the end. Um. I also just want to point out another nerdy popular culture reference that uh, certain people are going to get is that in Avatar The Last Airbender, um, it's actually spoken about in Korra, but I I like uh, Airbender better. Um, There are actually lion turtles. um, And actually there isn't the Airbender. I take it back. It is there. There are lion turtles, and that's where people used to live to be safe, and each turtle actually gave the different elements fire water, earth, air, like, just people who would go out and return a thing. Avatar Wan and making a Avatar Wan! Sneaking his way to get every element. He also is the one that, like, effed up Trixie. the whole, you know, good versus evil. But, lion turtles. In, I thought it was really cool. Woohoo! Okay, I'm done. <laughs> okay, um, it's time for you to go? Yes. Yes, we're going to have a trail. Everyone say bye to Carson. A quick vanishing Bye, act. Carson. Bye, I hope Carson. you don't die. I love you. Make good choices or don't get caught. Good luck with your paper. Yes, I'm going to go cry. Channel all the philosophers, but maybe not at the same time because they're going to argue. I don't like Kant. Don't channel him. (laughs) Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Nietzsche's fine. Won't stop. Love you, ladies. Love you, Lizzie. Is this your vitamin water? Thank you all for tuning in this week. Bye-bye. Okay, you're about to hear a really loud bang, and that's my door, so we're going to wait. not a serial killer. Not a serial (laughs) killer. Not a serial killer. Or is it? Hold on. Hold on. One, two, three.
Woo! Not okay. Not felt the floor shake. Just so, you, just so you guys know, whenever someone enters my house, they announce that they are not a serial killer, so I don't come at them with a knife. <laughs> so They'll never know. <laughs> That's how we build trust. Okay, now there was three. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and, and one of you two would like to go next. That's yeah. Whatever. I'm, whoever no, it goes. Okay. So it's me, because I, I didn't put my hand on my nose. Um, so I actually, I had a really hard time choosing as well, because um, there's so many cool things. And actually, after I'd already chosen what I decided to do, I went back to look at the list, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to stop looking at this list, because I'm going to choose every single one. Um, so it's really cool, y'all. If y'all don't know, just like Google list of cryptids and just see what's all out there. We'll do a second episode. You're going to have to, because there's just way too many cool things. I chose for this particular podcast, The Wendigo. Now, um, this is from, I'm going to say it correctly, Algonquin. Yes. Algonquin folklore. Um, and that's basically a large Native American culture from the Mideast, northern regions of Canada, and parts of USA. I say culture because there's multiple tribes within it. They all they share a similar language. Um, but it's, it's, it's based off of their folklore. And there's multiple variations on the name Wendigo, how to spell it, how to say it, that kind of stuff. We're just going to stick with the... W-E-N-D-I-G-O. Wendigo. Um, now, this cryptid is either a monster with certain human characteristics or um, an evil spirit that possesses a human and makes that human become monstrous. Um, and I'm going to flip the page because of notes. Um, most of the stories that I've heard, either personally or like research, describes... Um, Humans turning into Wendigos, which involves bodily changes where they become giant or basically really, really tall with a long, skinny body. No Morgan with the skinny boys and all that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but monster. But yeah. monster. So they become really kind of just giant, really tall, and really skinny. They usually get claws on their hands and their feet. And they either have really pale, almost bluish skin, or they're covered in, like, light fur. Um... And but, but the thing that terrifies me about Wendigos is that they, they always maintain the human intelligence, which makes them really excellent hunters, um, besides like, the instinctual stuff. Now, Wendigos are associated with cannibalism, murder, insatiable greed, and the cultural taboos that were not accepted within the certain cultures that the folklore comes from. Um, in some stories, humans who were consumed by greed turned into Wendigos. It was almost kind of like a, well, kind of like the basic, what a folk, folk story does is like a, a cultural lesson, usually for children, but for everybody, don't be greedy, you're going to turn into this monster. Um, so, interesting. Solid parenting plan. Solid so. parenting. Um, but no matter the cause of how you turn into a Wendigo, you always end up eating human flesh. It's always involved, whether it was before or after the transmission. Yeah, like, Cat, our, our lovely vegan, just already doesn't like meat, so, like, the idea of human flesh is not working. So it's, like, an extra layer of, ew. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not going like, to taste the blood, but I'm not going to, like, go after humans. Like, it's just not going to Good to know. Just... Yeah, no, I'm not going to, like, just randomly take a bite out of y'all, guys. Um, okay. Well, no. I'd probably... <laughs> I'm going to stop there. I'd probably be pretty gamey, so, like, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I need someone who eats meat. Like, yeah, there just... you go. See, I'm safe. This is this is my plan for safety, guys. <laughs> um, anyways... Morgan, you're next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, 
but okay, outside of the Native American folklore, there are stories of early European settlers or later American Canadian miners uh, turning into Wendigos. This is usually due to very, very long, harsh winters, um, and the people did, either didn't prepare enough winter provisions or they lost their provisions somehow, fire, someone stole them, blah, blah, blah. So they're driven by starvation and the need to survive, and the settlers and miners would... Um, especially if they're like trapped or isolated, would turn to cannibalism, which would start the transformation. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean any kind of transformation or any kind of cannibalism, because that's happened. Kind of, there's multiple stories, multiple tribes that actually participate in that. I think it just you have to be in like this particular area where maybe the spirit of the Wendigo would exist. Um, but once you're transformed, that insatiable greed would cause the Wendigo to constantly want human flesh and want to murder. Um, in some stories, the Wendigo is constantly hunting. That's just never ending because of the greed. Or, just depending on where you where you turned, maybe the conditions you turned in, the, the they can go a long time, what I like to call Wendigo hibernation, <laughs> um, between kills if they store enough food. And that's seen in a lot of different stories, too. Um... Now, I, I didn't actually think about this until a couple, couple 30, yeah. hours ago. I didn't actually think about how to kill it because I'm just like, oh, well, no, like, Wendigos, you're just going to let it roam free. Like, you, <laughs> you don't want to kill a Wendigo, but you probably do because they're going to kill you. Um, so if you need to ever, if you're ever locked up, isolated in a mine, or it's like it's winter and you're starving or, you like, they're coming after you, this is what you should do. Um, one of these three or all three, whatever you need <laughs> to protect yourself. Um, because of their icy heart, um, you can try burning them, their whole body. And there's actually a lot of uh, popular culture references that actually like always go to that one. I guess it's more theatrical. Um, or try using silver, which is, you know, Wendigo, werewolf, maybe little little something there. Um, or, and I kind of like this one, this makes sense. Um, according to one of the tribes from the, the area, you stab them with a knife multiple times in the head. Similar to a zombie, or really anything that uses a brain. I personally like fire, because, I mean, that's going to cover a wider range of creatures. Yeah, I like fire, and too. you can just be warm huddling over its brain. I know, legs. especially, like, it's winter. You're going to need, and it's a big body. It's going to take a while to burn. If you ate the Wendigo, would you then become a Wendigo? I feel like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, because technically it's no longer human. It's only going to eat human flesh. So I don't know, but I feel like maybe there's like a like a disease I type situation. They're not that tasty. Oh, also, but if you're if you're starving, like that's, oh, that's yeah. you true, know true. either turn yeah. into, turn into a minigo or eat a minigo. But it should also be known when I say skinny, I mean like they look like they've been starving because that's that's why they started eating flesh. So there's probably very little meat Bone on there. Marrow is very tasty. They are also super super. <laughs> the cat the cat's just gonna be sick. <laughs> they're, um, they're actually super strong. It's kind of terrifying. So they have human intelligence and strength and claws and all this other stuff. It's it's terrifying. Um, before I move on to the popular cultural references, because I, I like That's my because I love my popular cultural. I was actually thinking about this, and it's a very good way to teach cultural lessons. Like these are the things we don't accept. If you do these, we turn into Wendigos. Um, so from a folklore base, I'm I'm fascinated, but I'm also really kind of creeped out and concerned with the fact that cannibalism was probably a real 
reality. Like there was an yeah. actual fear of being eaten because there was no other food and because of harsh winters and so much fear and so much possibility that they had to put it into a story. Not saying that like folklore or whatever isn't real to whoever it is, but just in my mind, it's a story. Well, you know, there's a lot of creepypastas modern and that's sort of our folklore now is creepypastas on the internet. Yeah. And there's a lot of them that have to do with cannibalism and oh, that's yeah. not necessarily a huge reality. I mean, that it is a reality because I could name like five serial killers that did the cannibalism. Uh, and, well, but, and, and this is a different time period where like food would have been scarce, especially mm-hmm. if the thing you ate was also hibernating <clears throat> and yeah. you couldn't go hunt them. Like it's, it's completely different. It was, it was a completely different time, but it's still the fact that it was such a high probability. That's what scares me. Yeah. Um, but that's just, that's my creepy part is like, this was probably cannibalism, obviously real, but like to the point where we like, we had to like, okay, you don't go to the good place that we have. <laughs> you turn into a horrible <laughs> monster. Now, um, that also remember that it's either like a monster or it's actually like an evil spirit that possesses. Um, so I guess if it is an evil spirit that possesses, maybe you have to do some kind of like, um, girl, stop it. Um, maybe you have to do some kind of ritual that gets rid of the spirit. I don't know. I didn't really see a lot of research on that. Um, so, the popular culture references. Uh, this is not all of them, but this is the ones that I personally knew before I even did research. Um, it, there was a Wendigo in Charmed, a really cool witch show. Um, I don't remember that episode. But okay, so it was. it was a win- they called it a Wendigo, but it was more like a werewolf, huh. and that's why there's like a little issue there. They called it that, but it, it was it's actually more like werewolf, like all the folklore and how to kill them, all that kind of stuff. They're still. So many episodes of Charmed. I'd have to go find it <laughs> yeah. to remember that. that uh, actually, it was probably in season one. I have seen it that much. Um. <laughs> Which, since I can, you know, read Heather's notes that she has here, there is also a crossover between Charmed and Supernatural. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, the show Supernatural, and I actually remember this. This is they they did the minor uh, story where and the idea of starvation and like isolation and that kind of stuff. Um, but also, what was really cool about Supernatural is it emphasized the human intelligence. The hunt, the hunters yeah. who like normally hunt the ground, they know the land. You know, they're they're expert hunters. Were being hunted by the Wendigo, and the Wendigo was outsmarting them. That's what scares me. If this thing is real, which it may be, you never know. It terrifies. Me. I'm not gonna go up to the mountains in a minor. No, I'm just not doing it. Um, another TV show is Sleepy Hollow, and they actually focus more on the Native American evil spirit. So we oh, really? like we have a lot of different versions and they're covering like all their tracks or whatever but pretty much if there's any supernatural show like grim or anything they've used the wendigo it's just such a good one and it's such it's an american canadian yeah. you know uh story so if anybody is curious you can go to one of the earlier episodes of charmed and see sweet baby-faced misha collins oh yes <laughs> and that is my that's, tie-in that's the tie-in yeah i, for- Who, I forgot obviously if you're not a supernatural fan misha collins plays the angel castiel, castiel in supernatural and i don't remember who he was in charmed he wasn't like a main character he definitely got to hit on one of the charmed ladies he was, was he adorable he was like a bad date i think he might have died because <laughs> <laughs> he turned into an angel like i feel like he got stabbed I don't know. I, I I know he was there, but I don't remember because I, I, I had watched Charmed way before I ever saw Supernatural. Oh, yeah, same. And I started rewatching it. I went, Misha! I thought I rewatched it. Okay, but something really cool that we actually, did we play or did we watch? I've, I watched. Okay, we watched uh, a, a Let's Play of Until Dawn, and that is totally, completely based around Wendigos. I don't know if they did a Native American... They, 
mention? Kind of. They kind of, oh no, they kind of mention it, because there, there's the... Yeah, yeah, they did kind of mention no, 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 it. So they, they talk about, like, the original folklore, but it go, it's more to the eating human flesh because you were, like, stranded in the winter, and, and, and literally a coal mine, I think it was. Yeah. A- and a yeah. science yeah. island. Like, it, it was, or it was an abandoned ski resort. That had, yeah, right? It wasn't, they had, like, a lodge. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it was next to a mine. It, yeah, it was next Which to a mine. Which was also next to, like, an insane asylum. Yeah. And they were, okay, I'm not, actually, I don't want to spoil the game, but it's in a the video The Possibly game. Haunted Podcast, where we talk about plots. <laughs> I know. I was like, I just, sorry, I don't, I don't want to completely give away. It's a really, really cool game to watch. I'm probably sure it's terrifying to play. And I guess, um, you know, here's our shout-out. We, we watched Markiplier play it. Oh, was it Markiplier? We enjoyed it, except there were moments where I'm like, stupid, turn around, there's a totem! But, but we do we do love Markiplier a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I really like the Wendigo. I'm kind of, I'm really actually creeped out by it. And Until Dawn really focused on the aspect that if you kill it, its spirit will then go find someone else to inhabit. Yes. Like, you can't actually ever get rid of it. And I think they even tried the burning uh, technique. But again, it's, then, a, like, it's an evil spirit. It's not just a monster. And, yeah, and like the spirit will like stay dormant until it can inhabit something. Yeah, and that's, and, and, that, and that's another emphasis of the long hibernation or the yeah. indigo hibernation, as I'm, I'm calling it. So yeah. it's it, it was really creepy, but it was really cool. Um, so that that is my cryptid. Um, I really dig it. Okay, my turn. Okay, <laughs> so I was looking through a bunch of the cryptids, and I wanted something creepy. So I went back and forth about a couple of things, but I ended up on um, a creature called the Oswong, or the Ozuwong, or the Tick-Tick. There's a lot of names. I like the Tick-Tick, but that's because of the noise it makes, and I'll explain that in a bit. <laughs> So, essentially, an Azuwang is a shape-shifting monster in the Philippines um, who is usually possessing a combination of traits. So, it's somewhere between a vampire, a ghoul, a warlock, or a witch, or, like, some type of werebeast, or, like, all of them all at the same time. Like, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's the subject of a bunch of different myths and stories. Um, and when the Spanish colonists were in the area... Um, they noted that apparently it was the most terrifying and most feared of the mythical creatures that lived in the Philippines. So it's hard to really say what it looks like um, because of the nature of the Azumang, <laughs> which is that they are shapeshifters. Um, so, so basically, you're, you're terrified of this thing that you don't quite know what it looks like because it could look like people that you already know. Because um, one of the things is that if they have eaten a townsperson, they can just look like the townsperson. Um, but they they become more shy and quiet and elusive than they normally are. So, like, you know, if you're in a bad mood and you just really don't want to talk to people, clearly you have been attacked and killed by an Azawang. And you're going to die. I'm um, nothing. <laughs> I'm staring at Morgan. Is there a test? To, like, there are, out. there are, and I will get to that. Okay, okay. sorry. So they <laughs> can also turn into a bird, a bat, a wild boar, a black cat, or sometimes large black dogs. So the reason why you should be afraid of Azuwangs is because they like people. Specifically, they like to eat unborn fetuses, small children, Yummy. and they prefer, <laughs> if they're going to go after full-grown prey, they're going to go for livers and hearts. So, so I'm about to say, so not cat. So basically, yeah. if I'm going yeah. to go, I'm eating you. If you're whatever, you're eating me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. An Azawang? You're an Azawang? I'm an Azawang. Okay. Azawang. So, I'm not. 
<laughs> she said shiftily. Um, so they have a really long, um, there's debate on it. It says proboscis, but I'm going to say it's a, it looks like a tongue in a lot of the pictures. Oh, isn't that like what um, like flies and mosquitoes yeah, think, have? Yeah, or... think like a long tube thing That's out of their mouth. actually extra terrifying. So they can tr- suck the children out of mother's wombs when they're sleeping in their homes. Um, sometimes they're so thin they can hide be- behind bamboo posts. Um, they're fast and silent, usually, but sometimes they'll make noises, and which is how it got its name, the tick-tick, because you'll hear tick-tick, tick-tick, tick-tick. You are a little graceful <laughs> when you dance. Which, um... <laughs> so they replace um, stolen cadavers or live victims um, with tree trunks like the uh, the fae of Irish lore. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so basically what happens is when this facsimile of a human comes back, they slowly get sick and die, just like changelings in other lore. Mm-hmm. Um, so... When you see the person, how you can tell who it is, um, they look like humans at daytime. They change their appearance at night. So during the daytime, they will look like a person that you know, but they'll have bloodshot eyes. And the only way that you can really tell um, if they're an Azuwang or if they're a, the person that you know is you look at their eyes. And if you see the reflection in your, their eyes, if your reflection is upside down, <laughs> we're looking at Morgan's eyes. Um, I, think, I think we're okay. Um, so if your reflection is upside down, then you'll know that they're an Azuang. So question. Okay. What about, like, memories? Do they take their victims' memories? Like, I don't... What if you were like, hi, Catherine, and you were like, my name's not Catherine, and I'd be like, Azuang! <laughs> oh, okay. See, I feel like because they live among the people, mm, they, may know they probably things. know. Because it's it's one of these, like... Um, but it's also a trickster uh, okay. monster. So one of the things I heard, uh, I've heard a couple tales along this line where you're out at night and you're trying to get back home and you hear tick, 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 and it starts to get closer. You hear it getting louder and then it starts getting softer. And the reason that that's terrifying that it gets softer is because they're trickster monsters. They're going away. So when you, it sounds like they're getting further away, they're actually approaching and getting ready to attack. So, like, you essentially, I know it's all about the noises with me. Um, so, basically, you have this terrifying thing that you don't know where it is. It has this long proboscis thing, and it's going to suck out your liver, which is terrifying. Okay, so, basically, you have this horrible thing. It's kind of like a bunch of different things we're afraid of. Now... The way that you can avoid being killed by this thing, which I think is what we're all asking, how do I not die? Prevention or killing this thing. So one of the things is that it tends to search for food at the edge of the pack, a lot like most predators do. So living on the outskirts of the town is, like, real bad. Um, So so basically they, um, they search at night, and what they do is they separate from the bottom half of their um, human form and fly around. So I know, it's terrifying. And so you have this half thing. So it's not necessarily the most strong creature in the world. Um, it is also, so they hunt at night when you're not really expecting it. 
Um, so they tend to go... I always expect someone to grab me at night. That's <laughs> true. But they go around and they'll go in your window kind of deal, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, snatching your people up. Mm-hmm. Close your windows. Um, <laughs> so uh, so the, the trick is to live close to people, which I am all for. I like the people and I like living close to them. There are a couple other things that you can do that are very reminiscent of vampires. So, uh, Azawangs are repelled or killed using garlic, salt, religious artifacts or weapons like uh, crucifixes, rosaries, prayers, and holy water. So, you say religious, do you mean like Christian religious? Or um, just... I think it doesn't say necessarily on this, but um, I suppose any religious. Where was this from again? The Philippines, after the Spanish uh, colonization. So, so probably most Catholic. likely Catholic. <laughs> if I bring his cross, probably wouldn't work. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm sure it's fine. I think it's more about the belief in the object. Yeah, yeah I'm a <laughs> If you are like Heather and you don't necessarily have a bunch of religious artifacts lying around, there are a couple different things that you can do uh, besides the garlic and the salt. You can get a <laughs> whip made entirely of a stingray's tail, which sounds sad for the stingray, but we're moving on, um, which they can use to repel the creature, which if you have a whip lying around because you're some type of Indiana Jones person or you have a different lifestyle. Um, <laughs> no, keep going. Okay. I'm looking at Morgan. She's like, do I have a whip? Oh, there's a lady that uses a whip in Catwoman. a movie, in a video game. Lara Croft. No. Um, <laughs> so basically, a whip sound will repel them, which oh, is super okay. nice. They also can't step much like uh, a lot of vampire lore and oh, witch okay. lore. They can't go into churches or mosques or temples. Um, okay, Lucy Hartphilia in Fairy Tale uses a whip. There you there go. go. <laughs> okay, and also another surefire way to just get rid of your uh, Azawang problem is that you just decapitate it. That's a good way to get I mean, that thing. gets rid of a lot of things. Yeah, I was going to say, here's, the, here's the, always the um, sensitive area. If you believe you are being hunted by a very dangerous cryptid that can look like a person, please be sure before you chop its head off. Yes, please. you can easily murder a person. Okay, so also the last resort that you could do is just preventative measures, mm-hmm. um, which you can have their special amulets, that you can have, and special prayers that are posted on doors and entrances okay. that will repel them. Uh, a lot of times people put these up when there's a uh, pregnant woman in the house because they're best known for stealing fetuses. Oh, um, okay, and also when you're, there's a newborn baby, you can give them a little bracelet of red and black beads. So that's like okay. real good. So yeah, the story that I've heard is essentially this man is coming back from work late at night. And he's, like, a little nervous because he never closes that late. He's in a new town kind of deal. And he's walking down the street, and he starts hearing a... Well, first off, he notices that he doesn't hear anything. Like, there's no crickets, no cicadas, no owls, no birds, just silence. And then at the very edge of his hearing, he hears, tick, tick. And so he's, like, booking it down the street. Like, I need to get home, I need to get my bus up, I'm just going to go. And so he goes, and it gets louder and louder and louder, and he's like, ah! Um, And he's full-on panicking, and he gets into the bus stop, and he's like, well, maybe I'm just hearing something, I'm spooked. And he notices that every time there's a tick-tick, the person next to him at the bus stop starts flinching. (gasps) And so he's like, ah, someone else can hear it too! And so he gets onto the bus, 
and he's starting to hear it fade into the background, and he's like, oh, oh God, I'm finally out of, you know, out of danger. And then as soon as he starts to relax, he remembers that because they're tricksters, the further away the sound, the closer they are. So, yeah, that's, I heard that tale, and I was like, I'm doing Azuongs for my cryptid. So, other than sightings, is there any other, like, scientific evidence that can be used to, you know, back them up? Um, there isn't so much scientific evidence as to, um, them existing, like, actually existing. There's a lot of just sort of, there are people who are sad and go into their houses and are creeped, or people get creeped out about it, so kill them. Um, there's also, uh, some scholarly work that I pa- went through that, um, actually the Azuwang was invented by colonists to control the population, to wow. keep them in a, an enclosed area and to keep them, um, from staying out too late. It's like this terrifying story that kind of regulates the population. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I am not an Azuwang scholar, so I can't really say about that, but I could say that would be pretty effective. If someone was going to eat my liver if I stayed at the outskirts of town, I would be in the center of the city. Well, it's kind of like the (laughs) idea of the the movie The Village. Yeah. There's this terrible creature, and if you wear red or you go, you know, out, like, it's bad things are going to happen. Yeah, so, you know, that's that's Azuangs, though. They're creepy. They're going to kill you. (laughs) I kind of have a question if we don't... Yeah, I was going to say pop culture things real quick. Oh, pop culture. Yeah, so moving on to pop culture. So it's also in Supernatural. Of course it is. But my favorite thing... What? It is. There there was an Azuang on Supernatural, and I wrote down the episode. Um, It's a spinoff novel, sorry, uh, called Fresh Meat. It's the primary antagonist. Wait, it's a spinoff novel. Of Supernatural. Is it the comic book or a novel? Spin-off novel. Okay. Well, that <laughs> was not actually on the show. It's not actually on the show. Okay, but that would, but, be, that would explain why I'm like, what? I would remember that. <laughs> okay, so I posted a picture on my notes R-A-C-D. that I'm going to show to them, and I want their first reactions. Oh, so on God. Face Off, um, they had an oh, episode for Bloodsuckers, right? Oh, no! And so someone did an Azuang, and That's it is cool. terrifying, so... Yes! Oh my god! I've seen that. Oh my so gosh, I'm missed. gonna try to get this on the Instagram and on the Facebook and whatnot. I'm this gonna try to get be on the social media for sure. I'm trying to get everyone's on the social media so you can see what we're talking about. But it's yeah. got a long tongue and not much of a lower half of its face, and it is terrifying. It's pretty much a like mosquito head. It's a mosquito human. Yeah. But like the robe's pretty cool. The robe's yeah. nice. I, I like take the robe. I take the robe. Also, okay. is he trying to like? He's showing some leg here. Like, what's happening here? I think it's a she. She is sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, she's showing some leg here. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, you know, you have to think about the fact that the Azuang is inhabiting a human body for a while yeah. or human shape. So you're gonna go to bed in whatever you normally would go to bed okay. in. Okay. So she's probably in her like comfy nightgown or Do bathrobe. You- did the contestant have to, like, give an explanation? Did the judges even know what was going on with it? I think there was an explanation I for what it was. It, good, essentially, they... That's really good if you know what you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, they called it a Filipino vampire. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. So, there you go. Well, that's... that actually kind of leads into my question about if you would, like, wear their normal clothes or whatever. Oh, yeah. So, you said shapeshifters. Do they, act, they, they need some form of DNA, or do they have to... In, Consume. For them to uh, inhabit a human form, mm-hmm. they have to come in contact with either a cadaver or a human that they kill. 
Okay. But for everything else, I think they can, you know. I think it's because humans are at a higher level of, you know, shape-shifting mm-hmm. ability. Okay. Perhaps um, more complex than random black dog or fly. Okay. <laughs> Definitely a fly. Or more complex than a fly. <laughs> uh, and then it was actually, I don't mean to, like, focus on the whip or anything, mm-hmm. but you said a whip sound, and it just made me think, like... The app that you get so on your phone, like, if, would that work? Oh, if yeah. Play some right? Devo, would be okay. Yeah, I just, <laughs> good. just, just people, like, if you don't have a whip on you, maybe the whip sound, like, get the app, and maybe that'll keep them warm. Yeah, or just listen to Devo, whip it, yeah. as you walk home. Good, good, just advice all around. Okay, also, <laughs> like, why a stingray? Like, why a whip made out of that? I think it, the stingray has magical properties, but maybe I'm like not sure. Culture. I think it has something to do with the Philippine culture. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes I, sense. I'll be 100% not an expert in this folklore. So, no, but that would make why sense. Why not? Because they're so close to water. Okay, cool. I'm done with my yeah, questions. Yeah. So I had a lot of trouble picking my cryptid as well, because I think we all really love the fact that they're so closely tied to mythology, which we mm-hmm. all are really big mythology people. Um, but what I really focus on with the cryptids is that to be considered a cryptid and not just a myth is that it really needs to have sightings and like some evidence that it could be like a real creature so not magical in origin mm-hmm. um and so i picked the thunderbird which also just happens to be heather and i are Ilver morning house we are both thunderbirds and we're both still in hogwarts can you yeah. explain what that is for the people who might not be familiar Ilver morning is the american hogwarts as written by jk rowling mm-hmm. and the thunderbird was picked by one of the I, yeah, I recently read the story of the founding of Ilvermorny. The, the the woman who founded the school found two boys in the woods that the hide behind had killed their parents, and they were their their parents were witches and wizards. So she took in the boys, and one of them picked the Thunderbird as one of the um, house representatives, and the other one picked a Wampus, which is the cat. And then she picked the Horned Serpent, and her husband, who was a nomad, a Muggle picked the um, Pukwudgie because it saved uh, her life when she was first coming to America. There's a snake, too. Yeah? That, the Horned Serpent. The Horned Serpent? That's the one I am. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough. As the Gryffindor? Hashtag Thunderbird. <laughs> so, yes. As I was saying, though, Harry Potter, anyone who's kept up with it recognizes Thunderbird from the new movie. And um, as I learned, because my edition does not have it, the newer edition of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. New yep. movie and the new book. Uh, in the Harry Potter universe, the Thunderbird is unique to North America and is found most plentifully in Arizona. And I got this information straight from the Pottermore website, in case anyone was curious. And um, this version of the Thunderbird has the power to create storms as it flies, and it's very sensitive to supernatural danger. So wizards will create wands with its feathers, and these wands have been known to fire curses preemptively because of the creature's ability to sense danger, supernatural danger. Nice. Which I thought was really cool. Um, now what I considered that made it a viable cryptid candidate, and not just a magical creature, was the fact that in my encyclopedia book, the name Thunderbird was given to a large condor-like bird reported throughout North America since the beginning of historic records. The most common accounts of Thunderbirds come from Native American folklore and traditions. And I have a book, another book, because I went crazy, called Voices of the Winds by Margot Edmonds and Ellis E. Clark. And it's all about the Native American legends. And just so you know, um, the book 
just kind of uses the word Indian interchangeably. So forgive me for not being politically correct and using Native American a million times. So I'm going to be quoting the book. Uh, the, the first story I found was from the Winnebago tribe about an evil, quotations, Thunderbird who stole away with an orphan boy with the intention of eating him. And the other one I found was the Passamaquoddy tribe about the origin of Thunderbird, which I thought was really good. Uh, this legend is about two Indians who traveled north to find the origin of Thunder. Only one made it to their destination, and where he and when he got there, he found a plain full of wigwams and a number of Indians who donned wings and gathered up their bow and arrows and went and uh, flew over the mountains to hunt. This is how the Passamaquoddy Indian discovered the homes of the Thunderbirds. The connection in this story with the actual bird form is the the enemy bird in the story to uh, to the Thunderbird sort of tribe of Indians. This large bird was called, and please forgive me because I obviously do not speak the tongue, Wachoswin, and he would make damaging winds with his wings. Ooh. So that course sort of ties in the Indian version of the Thunderbird with an actual creature Thunderbird. Yeah, right, right. Um, the only detailed discussion of modern sightings is Mark A. Hall's Thunderbird, The Living Legend, which has sightings of the Thunderbird in Appalachia and the Black Forest hey. of Pennsylvania, yeah. uh, to the plains of Illinois and the Ozarks of Arkansas. Nice. I feel like that should be in a song, you know? We yeah, yeah. I'll sing about Thunderbird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From the Ozarks <laughs> to Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, okay, so from their description, We have music degrees. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, from their descriptions of a large, dark-colored gliding birds with wingspans over 15 feet wide, the Thunderbirds seem to be associated with the largest soaring birds accepted by ornithologists, which, by the way, scientists that study birds. Nice. <laughs> um, the the condors. That's what they are associated with being the condors, which are the largest okay. soaring birds. Uh, the thunderbird is thought to resemble the Andean condor. I don't know. We know why I wrote that scientific word down. Okay, Andean condor is known as Walter Griffiths. I'm thinking Ooh. vulture and griffin yeah. kind of yeah. 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 Um, more than the other species known as the California condor. I didn't write that one down. It was kind of like Californificus sort of sort of thing going on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, But what I, I really liked is that the um, the Andean oh god <laughs> the Andean condor um, was said to have like a white feathered ruffled neck, okay. which is sort of what the Thunderbird looked like in the uh, Fantastic Beast movie. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I thought this was really cool, okay, because I'm a big old giant nerd. Each year in late March, early April, July, and August, from the Ozarks down the Ohio River Valley and into the Appalachian Mountains, an irregular and noticeable migration of big birds seem to be occurring. Ooh. These birds are thought to be Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds! Can we also make the road trip while in a Thunderbird? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Again, please fund our excursions. <laughs> and so similar appearances in the western mountain states show a comparable pattern. So it's not just in the one area. Oh, wow. Thunderbirds are still found in the wilderness craggiest of the Bald Mountain, which in prehistoric times were believed by Indians to be inhabited by Thunderbirds. 
and in the sheer cliff waves of the Smokies and Ozarks, where people still tell of an encounter with giant birds. And I sort of redacted that statement because the book used um, not such polite language about ah uh, yes forest folk. We'll go with that. Forest folk. That's not what they said, but that's another nice way of giving you the idea of what the book said. Yes. Um, so, also what I really liked was the most zoological candidates for Thunderbirds may be the supposedly recent extinct Teratorns, an Ice Age Voltrine bird. Bones of Teratorns have turned up in deposits from California to Florida, and they were apparently found throughout the United States, as well as the northern parts of Mexico, which fits nicely with the reports of the Thunderbird. I think that the real, the real ringer here is the fact that these bones have almost always been found in conjunction with human habitation sites. Ooh. So this leads me to believe that rather than being a magical bird of thunder, the Thunderbird is actually a thought-to-be-extinct species. Until definitive proof is found, it will remain a cryptid, hidden creature, but like... But like there's evidence... It's totally real! It's real! And yeah. it, like depending on how big they were, like the way they would need to take off, or like maybe like a certain sound they made while they were in the air, yes, would sound say. like thunder. Like, yeah, that would make sense. And apparently, um, Native American into tribes, it. there's no proof that they hunted them. But with the bones found so close to their settlements, yeah. See, I didn't even think about hunting. I was like, oh, they lived in harmony. You know, they probably oh, no, 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 they probably hunted. I know. Can you imagine the amount of food that you used to get from one of those? Like I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> It's really cool, though. It's worth noted that in the Winnebago story, the Thunderbird was definitely gonna gonna eat the orphan boy it stole. Mm-hmm. And they tied it to a rock, and they were gonna wait for several days until his stomach was empty of food. Don't know why. I think that would make the situation worse. Why didn't they just... But they didn't want to eat him if he had food in his stomach. And so okay. he had, years earlier, he had rescued a young pigeon hawk. And, like, fed it and made it grow, and they bonded. And then he let it go into the wild, and it came back to rescue him. And it was, like, hiding little roasted birds under its wings and would, like, drop them in the boy's (laughs) mouth. And then one day the Thunderbirds grew suspicious, and so they were like, Hey, 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 bird, hey, you can't be in here. And pushed him too close to the fire, and he singed his wing. So he went to, like, Big Daddy Thunderbird and was like, and so he was like, what's going on here? You pushed little pigeon hawk near the fire. Let this boy go. That's okay, a, that's... Adorable! <laughs> Yay, uh, tiny pigeon hawk. Yay, okay. Now, that's on the list of things that I would name my children. Tiny pigeon hawk. Tiny pigeon hawk. <laughs> I prefer uh, Ozymandias. <laughs> you prefer Ozymandias? Okay. Ozymandias. Sorry, well, Mom. I really, I really enjoyed my research on the Thunderbird because I felt like I don't know. I really enjoy... I, obviously, I enjoy the mythological parts of it. Right. But, like, one of the things that I really love about cryptozoology is that it's it's real. This is a real science that people just push by the wayside because, you know, they make... It's all magical creatures. Mm-hmm. But it's not. And, like, the coelacanth, I think, is one of the best examples because they were thought to be extinct. Mm-hmm. And so they were found, fish off the coast of the Comoros... Camaro Islands, whatever, you know. Anyways, and it's just, it's incredible Mm -hmm. that these fish, that they were so sure were extinct. And so before that, if anybody had these weird sightings, then, you know, it it was a cryptid. Once they're discovered with definitive proof, it's no longer considered a cryptid. Yeah. Whatever. 
But it's kind of like um, a lot of Sasquatch hunters around here. Well, not around yeah. here, but, you know, in the United States. Uh, because their their idea is it's a species that's very reclusive, so it's incredibly hard to find, mm-hmm. you know. But there's some proof. So there are a lot of people who are, who dedicate their lives to trying to prove that it actually does exist. Same with Nessie. And in mm-hmm. some way, I can't, I don't know how they can say that there's definitive proof it doesn't exist. Because there are um, Bigfoot-like creatures in Russia that are known as the marked ones. And I'm not going to try and say the Russian name. I also don't have it off the top of my head. But there's hundreds of a whole category of like lake monster cryptids. Like Champ and Nessie and Ogopogo. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's incredible. And for lake monsters, definitely. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We like, have, there's we, so many places we, to hide. We don't know it's all down there. Like we... we barely scratched the surface of what actually lives in the ocean. But even stuff that is, like, really tied hardcore to mythology or folklore, like, they existed in some way that maybe we didn't quite understand, so we put, like, uh, a name on it or a description. Yeah. Like, Cyclops mm-hmm. were when people found bones of mammoths and where the trunk, like, the nose, like, that oh. opening, that, that's where they thought the eye Unicorns was. Unicorns were antelopes that were sideways, and people could only see one horn. So, like, there's... They do exist in some fashion, even if we haven't scientifically figured out what yeah, they're in. Yeah. yeah, so... And it's like, following these myths have led to real scientific discoveries. Yeah. Like, this um, lost world in Vietnam led to the discovery of new species of animals. And it's just... I think it's incredible. I love science. <laughs> and okay. I love animals. We also are just really big nerds. Yeah. Okay, but that was our episode of Cryptids. I hope everyone liked it. I hope it wasn't too... Nerd boring for anybody. (laughs) I don't know. We like listening to stuff like this, so I assume maybe someone else out there (laughs) might be interested. We'll come back again with creepier things. Keep keep the ball rolling. Yeah, alternating. That's the ones are creepy. Yes, that was. was (laughs) Um, and uh, if you would like to see any of our cryptids on our social medias, or you just want to check us out, um, you can email us at. Possibly haunted podcast at gmail.com, all lowercase, all put together. We take suggestions. <laughs> and um, our Instagram and Facebook is the possibly haunted podcast all together. And then our Twitter is just possibly haunted pod. And we, we welcome any comments. Or at possibly haunted. Or at possibly haunted. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm new to Twitter. It's weird. Um, <laughs> But we would love to hear from you and, you know, just come check us out. And please help us keep this going, guys. Hit that subscribe button on your iTunes. I think we're going to try and get on Google Play soon. We are on Google Play. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We are on iTunes. And we have a website that is about to be published pretty soon where you can just listen to all of the episodes as they come out. So please subscribe and tell your friends. And remember, you could be possibly haunted. But it's really me. (laughs) Tick, 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 tick.